All right, cool. Yeah, well, we got we got some interesting stuff to talk about that is uh, so pertinent to the show. And by the way, welcome to Over 50, starting over, everyone. I'm Barry Edwards. And I'm Merle Garrison. Yeah, you are. Happy That's Friday. All day. It's a Happy Friday to you, yeah. It's a beautiful Friday. We just, of course, got back from our walk, uh, Charlie and I, t- across the across the street at the lake with all the really nice people and the beautiful dogs. And I had a great conversation with my new friend as of a few weeks ago, Jeff. His uh, Jeff is, I'd say, in his early 60s. Um, he is a pulmonary pediatrician. And he's one of, he, as he tells me, like three of these highly specialized specialists in the country. Mm-hmm. So there's a high demand for him. He, at his current or former place of work, he had a big falling out with his boss. And uh, that's just something I'll leave right there. But in the meantime, he's like, oh, my God, you go, he goes, you do uh, branding and online marketing. He's like, uh, I am in the market. I want to be independent. And because I can work much less hours, he's used to 12 hour days. And uh, and he wants to do um, more consulting type of work. Mm-hmm. And this morning, now, so we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. That's the general. And But this morning, we started talking a little more in depth about it. And he said, you know, I just want to really come from a place. Of, I want to influence this healthcare industry with more compassion. And I go, oh, my God. I said, about I, go, I, I, I do this podcast. And about a year ago or so, I did a podcast with Dr. Stephen Treziak. Jeff's eyes lit up. And he goes, yeah, Compassionomics, the book. That's what I'm basing everything on. Mm. I like, oh my God, I just, I love that podcast. I love the book. I love the idea. And um, the the other thing, like so often, I just think there's some kind of divine intervention that plays a part in our lives. Yesterday, I had my second meeting, with Zoom meeting with my new business mentor. And he's been trying to get me to niche down. And we've been talking about, and I'm like, you know, my favorite industries are uh, safety and health and the healthcare industry. And so here we are. And, and uh, so he's like, healthcare, he goes, yeah, a lot, lot going on, a lot to be done there. We talked about it a bit. So then this morning, this comes up and it's all fallen into place. And uh, yeah, I like your divine intervention thing, how all things are working together on that. And uh, we don't have cool. to eat even go there with it because you could talk about it less spiritual terms like the secret does. They're like, when you set out an intention, you'll just find things and people just all of a sudden showing up in your life. And, and I think that there's a lot to that, that um, once you start to get clear on things and um, I've been working on that a lot and a lot of things have been falling into place and it's making me very happy. Like I'm enjoying my days. I'm working very hard (laughs) these days and enjoying it more than I ever have because it feels right. And I'm very much cognizant of what I'm saying in this venue of over 50 starting over. I want, this is what I want to share is So the last few years since COVID, like COVID turned everything upside down. It made my business crazy. 
And I started, I did a, a lot of searching in a few interviews, looking externally for the first time since I was 27. I've been on my own since I was 27. And I've been looking, I was, was past tense, looking for an employer and it had to be the right fit. Uh, privately owned, not corporate America. And I wanted to simplify my life and do more strategy instead of everything. Well, here's the thing, folks. I've never said it on this show before. I'll say it now. There is real ageism out there. And when your, your resume simply goes into another resume of, say, 2,000 applicants, they're using stuff like ZipRecruiter to, they're putting in criteria to to filter out the top Oh, yeah. Oh, that's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way that they can look through all of those resumes and everything anymore. They, they, they've got to use algorithms Mm -hmm. to really select the ones that they're looking for. And, and it, it points to this very fact, Barry, that really, if you, if you're looking for something, it's always referrals are the best way to go. Oh, Uh, it's always who, you know, and when it comes to this, you know, ageism or whatever, uh, there's all kinds of different discriminations that can be out there. Yeah. This kind of is a way to eliminate the the algorithms and get right to the point because really employers are looking for people that have experience, that they have character, and that they're not going to let them down when they hire them. It doesn't right. matter what color they are or how old they are. They were trying to minimize risk, and the referral network is really the best way to do that. Totally agree. Lisa talks a lot about uh, working LinkedIn, and uh, she'll Uh. say all the time that if you're going to apply for something, then apply, then look up on LinkedIn, see who works there, see if you have a connection, and ask for a referral. Oh, yeah. Really huge on that. LinkedIn Uh, is getting better and better all the time. I got to tell you. Seems like it. I ran into LinkedIn for the first time in 2011. I'd just gotten laid off from a job and I got this package where they uh, they helped, they, they, they put me into a program to help me to do a career search. And the first thing they said was, have you heard of LinkedIn? And I hadn't at that time. And they were like, get as many people in your network as you possibly can and everything. I'm so glad I started doing that back then because today I use that tool uh, that's a big part of my my uh, my career and tool, and I'm I'm using Navigator now, and uh, the really so it's a paid version of the whole thing, mm-hmm. and it opens up the door to everything if you apply yourself. One thing I found out, Barry, is that, <clears throat> and I learned this from LinkedIn, is the free LinkedIn, you're you are cut off from about 90% of the people that are in LinkedIn. Wow. I never knew that before, but when you go into the whole navigator and you really apply yourself to it, you'll find, boy, it just opens up the door to so many different things that Hmm. you can do. I don't want to get into all of the different nuances, but I am finding this is good info, right? I'm finding that tool to be one of the best sales tools that's out there today. Mm. And here's one of the greatest things about Navigator is you have an unlimited amount of uh, in messages. So you can, you can really uh, start to use this as a way to grow your network by uh, the best way to do it is uh, uh, by 
really um, using the program to target individuals that you want to talk to. And the best way to get them into your network is actually interacting with their with their posts that they hmm. put up and asking questions about, hey, that, that sounds great, but have you thought about this? Or what about this? Or how is this affecting any of those kinds of questions like that? And you start to draw people into a conversation is how you start to form relationships. And you can form relationships at the highest levels of any organization if you start to do this. And that, that's what I'm starting to do and it's working. Wow, dude, that's really good advice. I actually am working with a salesperson that uses LinkedIn. That's her tool, 100%. She's going to be, and I got this because she's working with one of my clients and we're bartering, we're trading off some uh, services and uh, she's going to grow my network exponentially. And I mean, she uses that, I, her reputation precedes herself. She uses that at a ninja level. And I think what you're saying is very, very valuable advice. And I'll reiterate, guys, if you are mm, seeking improved employment, uh, modified employment of any kind, Navigator probably is the way to go. And as Merle says, just start a conversation. I know my one client, he, he, it's kind of uh, interesting. He will say, Hey, I'm just reaching out for feedback. What do you think of this? And he sends them an advertisement that I created, you know, just wondering what you think of this. And from a target market point of view, and he gets that engagement right there. That's like really that. clever. Mm -hmm. People yeah. love to give advice. I mean, you you do it, Barry. I've seen yes. uh, just recently you put yes. some logos out there, and I do I, it all the time. I was, uh, and you know, I'm I'm not a huge Facebook person, but I mean, I saw that right away, and I couldn't wait to tell you what my people favorite love one it. was. Yeah, I, I mean, I, within two hours, I get fifty responses. I, I so people so you know, I'll put up logos and I'll number them one through four, four versions of a logo, and I ask. Uh, I just say design contest time. Which one do you like best? And people love giving their feedback. That's it. We and love I, to give advice. That's what it is. Yeah. If somebody asks you for advice, that is a total compliment. Yeah. Uh, it strokes we your get ego. kind of giddy. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Yeah. You're like, well, I can't wait to give my advice. Because <laughs> I'm so that, smart. Yeah. That's how you prospect. Uh, you can't oh. get somebody's advice. That is, it's beautiful. It's so simple, but... Uh, it works. And well, you can do this on LinkedIn very easily. And for my Facebook studies like that, I, I get this free, valuable input that I get to give to my client upon presenting logos. And what I usually say is, I'm not going to tell you the results of my, of my uh, opinion poll yet. I want, cause I want you to have a fresh look, but I'll tell you, if you ask, I'll tell you. And they always <laughs> ask, they always ask. And it usually influences them. And you know, a lot of times like this last one was a tough one because like th the first three of the four were almost tied and the number one barely beat out the others. Normally one that I don't suspect far out, out polls the other ones. And it's huh. usually a surprise to me, like not the one I would expect. So it's valuable. It's very valuable input. Well, back to the fact that uh, people, people love to give advice. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People also don't want to have something taken away from them. Uh, I found, mean? okay, so here's, here's a good one. This is something I've, I, I love. And I think I learned this from one of the books, one of those books we were reviewing a couple of, couple of years ago one of them was never split the difference i can't remember what the other one was but uh it's um 
when you're trying to get somebody to respond on email, have you had this before where you can't, you can't get them. You, you've had a meeting, everything went great. Now you're following up, you know, you're going to do business. They've even promised they're doing business with you, but now I've they just a lot of these. Yeah. They won't, they won't respond to any of your emails sure. or your calls or anything like that. So here's what you do. You send an email and you say, Hey, Barry, uh, Hope you're doing well. Has this project been abandoned? That's it. <laughs> Just send it out. You will get a response within within the hour. I'm well, How do you, you explain that? That's I, so it, surprising to me. It, I know, right? Because here's <laughs> it works every time too. And so here's the deal. You want it if the project has been abandoned, you you do want to know that. Like yeah. that's actually a win to know that uh, okay. so that you can move on. So you almost want the person to say yes, because you've been pounding your head against the wall trying to get them uh -huh. to respond. Uh, so you have nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, You put it out there and the psychology is um, either if it's yes, I've abandoned the project or if it's no, I haven't, which is what you really want it's the takeaway. Oh, wait a second. I'm about to lose this whole thing. They respond right away. I, I can't explain it any better than that, Barry, but I have found that that works 100% of the time. I mean, well, quickly. I certainly believe you though. There's always weird things like that, but I still don't under, understand why, but it's, yeah. a, it's a cool tip. It is. Great it's, tip. it's, it's the, it's the take. I'll <laughs> tell you, it's, it's all based on the takeaway. If right. you, it's just like when uh, my, this was great. When, when I was a kid, my brother was a handful for my mom, you know, my dad, <laughs> my, I mean, he would be an angel when my dad was around, but yeah. then when, when my dad would leave, he'd turn into the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. And, um, and so, uh, but my mom would use these little psychological tricks on him that were so simple, but uh, that I could even understand him. Like uh -huh. he would be. Uh, uh, just driving her crazy. And he, she would be like, why don't you go out in the backyard and play? And he would be like, no, he would not go outside and play. He wanted to be in there and bother my mom until she realized that she would say, Scott, you are not allowed to go out into the backyard. Oh my God. You want to go out into the backyard? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> It's not about there. Oh, that's it's, so it works funny. every time. It worked at the amusement park too, at Jug Lake. I mean, it, it, with the takeaway, it works. I mean, we don't want to lose anything. We don't want to lose anything. I think that's called reverse psychology, isn't it? I guess. I think. Uh, interesting. And I am just sitting here looking like all of a sudden, okay, a, a light cloud is going by, but it has been brighter than the sun in here. I should have pulled the shades before the show because I'm so backlit that the, the, the image is terrible. So uh, my apologies for that, but we're powering through anyway. But what I wanted to get to with my point to what I was talking about, about, uh, oh, just the great conversation I had with this guy who's a, a pediatrician. And Ordinary. yeah, yeah, lung stuff. And, um, and, and the talk that I had with my business coach and how it's all coming together. And after a couple years of literally applying for easily 200 different jobs and only having a couple of interviews, a couple that I thought were going great. And, and telling you, of course, too, that I'm sure that at least 80% of my resumes never made it in front of a human being's eyes because I believe that, you know, there's because there is an ageism thing going on for sure. 
And I heard someone say, it's like a meme or something. It's the very same people that want us to work till 70 won't hire us after 50. That's funny. And it's <laughs> yeah, very, no there's kidding, a lot right? of truth to that. So yeah. here's my point is, and you know, we started out this show. I talked a lot about this is consultancy is bigger than ever. And I think for those of us over 50, it's probably the most viable option because yeah. I- yeah, because getting hired at this age is a lot harder, um, depending on the field you're in, but most fields. And the other thing is, is you've never had more experience in your life. You are the expert. And here's another thing. This will open up some eyes as well. I went out on my own at 27 years old because I worked my way up to the creative director role of a small agency and found that all I was doing was a lot of paperwork and managing people so much. So I went out on my own and then I get to choose, basically choose what I get to work on for a large part. And I really, really enjoy my work. But now at uh, my age, all of a sudden I turn 58, I'm seeing all my clients retire and all of this kind of stuff. I never thought about that happening. I really didn't. It just all of a sudden started happening. And, um, and geez, all the health problems and stuff. And, and I just had the realization, it's like, hey, you know, the natural progression of this kind of a career is that I actually manage younger people. And yeah, yeah you're right. And that's what I've been doing. I, I put on some people in the last two weeks that setting up Google Analytics for me for everything I want to do, I want measured. I want proof of ROI, return on investment with everything I touch. That's kind of my value proposition. And I've always done that, but I've always been this one to do everything myself. Just a blue collar attitude. And it's ridiculous because I can't because everything's more and more complex today. And it's exhausting. So I am working. So with that, I got somebody else working on uh, doing Google AdWords and uh, searches. It's called off-page search engine optimization. Mm. I do the on-page search engine optimization when I'm building a website and developing content. I use AI at a whole nother level these days. I use, I'm now on the premium chat GPT. And it's blowing my mind. I, tell, I tell me it, more about that because sure. you know most people that have the chat experience are not having the experience with the the paid version, which is day I guess night. you're saying day and night. Why why is it day and night? Well, the three point five, which is the free version, has not been fed information since two thousand twenty one. Mm-hmm. And it does not have access to the internet. And so it just is what it is. Uh, chat four, I, I do this. I like, go look at this website and tell me how it can be improved. It instantly tells me how it can be improved. I never even opened it up. And uh, so it has access to other websites. Wow. It has access to anything. I had, you and I had this conversation and this could lead us on a whole another path. But I'll say briefly, I wanted to challenge, let me, no, let me finish answering your question about how is it uh, better. Um, Let me pull something up. Um, What are, what are the fees? What is it expensive? $20 a month. Oh, and it's a, yeah, for someone like me, it's a no brainer. So it can also chat itself can also generate image imagery and 
this is the website of my safety and my elect electrical. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I just designed this a couple of months ago, always adding to it. And um, I the the content is massaged through chat. And uh, it's an e-commerce site that we're selling all of these classes. And here's the point is, see these images? Yeah. I developed them with chat. Let me open this one mm, up. Okay. And and the, uh, the, the articles, I write these with uh, my client Brian's suggestion on subject matter, just general stuff. And then I flesh it out with chat GPT. Now you have to, you don't just, throw something in there and then copy and paste it in here. I really nuance it. I will say, I've said it before, articles like this used to take me two and a half hours to, to develop, but write on my own. I'd be using Google for research and writing them. Now they take me about an hour. So okay. I do them with chat and then I ask it certain questions to make it more specific. And I, and I definitely make it more specific. So this generated from chat as well, these images, I told it to make uh, this guy, I forget the exact prompts that I use, but working on an electric motor in a factory setting, I want a blue cast to it. Just my brand development. I have orange, yellow, and blue casts that I huh. use for the photos. Okay. It's just part of the brand. Yeah. And, um, and then there's just certain characteristics that I add that enhance the search engine uh, the the keywords I okay put keywords the in. content though is coming from your client or it, no it's coming from chat uh it's oh. coming from the research i have it do i will have it I, I i'll have it i'll ask it what how to re repair a servo motor and then it gives it always does the same format a lot of these bulleted items and mm -hmm. i know that google sees that as chat stuff right away. So I, I, from there, I ask it specifics. I'll ask it, okay, now give me a one or two paragraph summary of what you just told me. I want to use that as my opening paragraph and I will use that. And I'll say, give me 10 uh, options for titles. And then I'll choose one of the 10 for the title. Okay. And then I'll also say, please give me a uh, final Thoughts. I don't say final thoughts. Right. I always use that because I know that that's a Google friendly uh, headline for searching. Okay. And uh -huh, I'll uh -huh. say, give me a summary. And and note, you know, I I put things in there like this: get your uh, workers qualified electrical maintenance repair with electrical tech skills in just four days. You know, that's all me. Uh, there's times that I I make this look like it's coming from my client Brian, and I will put a quote in there that's yeah, from him. Yeah. And, cool. and so on. So I use chat in those regards. Let's just go ahead and get out of here. And now let me ask a question real quick, because couldn't I do that with, I mean, I don't know, not the images, uh, but the, the content I can do with, with chat today. Correct. Uh, Without the having free to pay the 20, 20 bucks a month. I mean, yes, you can, but I've it done definitely, all those things. Yeah. It definitely has uh, a lot more nuance if you use the paid version and I want to show you okay, something gotcha. else. I, you know, I was not. Uh, I know we're, to do this, we're going but, off the rails here, but that's and that, what we no, do. that's fine because I'm going to show you yeah. something really cool. All right, uh, yeah. I'm ready to have my mind blown. Oh, I had been developing this book, and it's kind of like direct. I don't want to say a kids' book. It's more like a teen kind of book. It's based on a recurring dream that I used to have, and. Huh. 
I am going to pause. For let's go back to your, your. Okay, so I did find this stuff, and uh, let's uh, share the screen because yeah, I wanted to show you this image that I think is um, very very interesting. Whoa! So yes, I that on a I, show or something. All right, what here's that? what the, here's my prompt. I'll tell you all about the concept too. That my prompt is it's telling me back here are the sea goggles that you liked an image of high tech retro looking goggles with dials for calibration designed to look like they were found in an ancient shadow. Right, I really do. And that's exactly what I told it. And uh, yeah, isn't it crazy? And I know you guys listening. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, I know oh, of yeah. what you're talking about, though. But my my concept is from a recurring dream. Where I grew up, remember, it was like Stand By Me. We had like yeah, a, a I grew forest. Up in the same kind of place, yeah. A, we called it the gully, which was down this hill. There was a swamp down a big hill. We used to sled ride on the hill and stuff. And on the hill where we would sled ride, it was all brush uh, for most of the area, but it was clear where we used to sled ride. And uh, in my dream, we were exploring uh, the brush part of the hill that you really could never access. And well, we found this old iron door and we cleared the moss away from it and, the, and all of the brush and everything. And, you know, got sticks and everything and pried it open. And it was big and heavy and hard to open. And when we got, when we opened it and there's this gigantic cavern with an ancient ship, like a, like a Viking ancient ship propped up in there like all oh, thousands of years old. And then all of these ghouls started crawling out of it and started chasing us. And I ran home and like as fast as I could, I, I ran through the front door, slammed the door. And then I look out all and my friend, my neighbor is going, Barry, open the door. He's got all these ghouls right on his butt. And that's when I woke up. Ah, <laughs> that is a great one. That's when I woke up. <laughs> and I uh, had that dream three times as a kid. Oh, my God. And in my exploration of this in my mind, I was developing this. It's been ever since. It's been decades that I've had this on my mind um, that we actually go exploring in this ship and we find these kinds of artifacts, if you will, tools. And the the one kid, which would be my character, because it's my dream, would put these on and they were kind of attached to him. They would kind of regulate to his person, to his uh -huh, body uh -huh. and become something of a superhero. And, and that whole neighborhood plays a role in this. There's the school. It's my neighborhood, too. And, right, right. And there's the school and there's a fire and he's using this nautical equipment to put out the fire and all of this kind of stuff. I got uh, the main antagonist one of, based on one of the neighbors that we had that we didn't like growing up. And I used chat. I said, what is something like what is a, the, the outline of a basic hero's journey? And it gave me a big long outline of the 12 different steps. And in act one, you're setting the scene, developing characters in act two, there's the conflict that, uh, that the hero fails at. Like there's this, um, for me, it would have been um, cowardice, I would say, as a kid. I, I wasn't the daring one as a kid, but I was later on. And so that that cowardice would, would rear its ugly head in the middle of the story and show you. And, and so in act three, when the big thing happens, 
Right. Then I overcome the cowardice and save the day. And that's uh-huh. the hero's journey. Yes, and so yes. it laid it out in like 12 chapters. Well, there's the 12 chapters of my book. And then, so that's where all of this came from. And folks, I'm sharing all that with you because if you have this idea, it is 100% feasible to do. Now I'm using uh, chat 4.0, which you can develop this imagery with. You can't do that with 3.5, yeah, right. but you can do the whole writing and the layout of the story as I just told you. I, I did that with 3.5. Is- so Barry, I, I love what you're saying here. As you're talking about it, I'm thinking, okay, so if I wanted to write a book, I could, I, I, this would be a great guide. But then I started thinking, how easy would it be for me to just let chat write it for me? And that is yeah. probably a, a tempting pitfall for many people. Yeah. And I, I don't... wonder if there are books out there on the shelf that are being published right now. For sure. That they really didn't write. It chat wrote it. There's so much to that. Um, there's so much to that because there's a lot of limitations as of today. And I can show you so many things that um, are so fascinating. Uh, I'm trying to find one with the imagery. But, um, okay, there's how I developed this imagery. Let me show you some severe limitations. So I wanted... This is how it's, I wanted to develop, and I've been wanting to develop certain characters for that particular company, Electrical Tech Skills. Right, right. And I developed this one originally. I told it uh, to make a factory worker that's qualified to work on electrical equipment. I want it to be this size, tinted orange. And I came up with this guy and I said, okay, please name this guy Tom and remember this character. I want to use him in the future. And then, uh, so I wanted a basic worker, like my client would train, okay, for Uh electrical, uh uh, technical skills. And then I wanted, and and so I said to to create uh, this worker tinted in orange, and I've been using this, my client was blown away by this. Right there, I like that. Right, right. And here's what I said, a picture of a factory worker who's qualified to work on electrical equipment, working on a motor tinted orange. And this is what it came up with, man. Jeez. I mean, it's just how... That's that's mind blowing, right? It's mind blowing. It's so mind blowing. And so you start to get your mind so blown that you think you can do anything. Well, here's Tom again. Tom looks totally different this time and too wimpy. So I told it that uh, make a little more muscular, just a little more muscular with a yellow hard hat and a yellow cast to the photo. Totally different guy. It's like the, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now, so here's my point. Crazy. I, I want to, yeah. Okay. So this is Tom again. So I yeah. want to be, I wanted to develop these characters so I could really create a tight brand. And now um, I did not ask for permission. This is my client. And I want to make a representation of him, not exact, but I want the trainer. I want a character of the trainer too. So I could use this huh. character of the trainer and Tom, the worker as I want, where I want. And so I said, uh, I want to create a character that looks similar to this photo, 53 years old, uh, electrical safety maintenance trainer. Um, So take a look at this photo and uh, create this character. So he created this character and I said, okay, pretty good. Um, But he's holding a, uh, let's see what I say here. Uh, A fuse box. Just a little more handsome, hair combed straight back, (laughs) not 
parted on the side, no overalls, button up the shirt and simplify the fuse box. Fuse box, I don't care about. Button up the shirt, roll down the sleeves. Look what I give. Okay, I don't know. A little bit handsome. He turned yeah, him into double Pierce 07. Brosnan. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. yes. <laughs> Shirt is not buttoned up. Sleeves are not buttoned up. So here's the next attempt. I kept trying different attempts. I kept trying to refine this. I don't want, I said, I don't want, I want him looking more like a leg, regular guy, less like a model. And say, here's another picture of him. Okay, 10 pounds heavy. Look at this guy. Shirt yeah. completely unbuttoned. Uh, and so I got to the point. Hair, look at this hair. Look, look at, at this hair. hair. Yeah, that doesn't look like a factory worker. Right. So I keep saying, uh, slightly combed back, button up shirt. Uh, the 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 sleeves have to be buttoned up too, professional. And so I got to the point where I said, I I start, you know, I have this relationship developed with this thing at this point, this wasn't bad, but look at the shirt. And yeah, I, yeah. so I start saying, what is wrong with this picture? You tell me what, Oh, and it's telling me, Oh, the sleeves are not rolled down and the shirt is not completely buttoned up and it can't do it. I, okay. So every time I I'm trying to refine this character and it gives me a different character. Every time I cannot reproduce the same character. I cannot get that shirt buttoned up and I can't get those sleeves rolled down. And, and this is the paid version that yes, but, but you can't, it's interesting. So what? there are limitations. Okay. So, so that's where you, you, huh? Okay. So now <laughs> that sounds extremely frustrating, by the way, it is extremely frustrating. You and I had, let's talk about other, uh, other limitations. You and I had this conversation. Oh, I'm so glad you're ago. bringing this up. <laughs> well, I wish I had at my fingertips. I had the version that I sent you because I underlined the important part. I think I can, while you're doing that, go through it. I'll see if I okay. can pull that up. Here is basically what I, the, the argument I had with chat, the paid version chat GPT four. I said, do you have a political slant in your response to political questions. It says, I'm designed to provide information responses that are neutral and unbiased, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, this is where it gets good. I said, okay, what is a brief definition of a fascist society? This is so good right here. So it says, and mind you, what I approach this with is principles of argument. It's a philosophy class I took in college where if you could present, say, four to five premises that are irrefutable. You ask these questions, you get a answer back that somebody agrees to, then the final conclusion must be fact. That's principles of argument. That is what I'm using here. So I say, what is a brief de definition of fascist society? A fascist society, it says, is typically characterized by authoritarian rule, strong nationalism, suppression of the political opposition and dissent, control of the media, and a focus on military military how do you say that militarism militarism and racial purity in a fascist society the government exit exerts tight control over many aspects of life including economic social and cultural activities often promoting a single party state and the glorification of the state or a leader above individual rights and freedoms i'd say that's a really good definition i, I would say that it's absolutely bs you, you say that definition's BS? Absolutely. Well, please first, Okay, so first off, there's a difference between Nazism and fascism. Okay. Nazism actually includes racism. 
fascism does not. The first fascist state was Italy. The black shirts uh, under Mussolini had nothing to do with racism whatsoever. Mm-hmm. What what uh, what it does have to do with is <clears throat> a tyrannical government. It's not about we the people. It's a combination of the authority of government and the authority of business combined together to create policy that benefits an elite few people. Everybody else is part of the machine. That's exactly what we have happening here today. Oh, I would say this yes, absolutely. throws us right off the scent mm. of what we have today. Mm. In fact, fascism has been mistaught since World War II because at the time we were fighting fascism, we were a fascist state ourselves. Uh, including, um, and we could take it to the next level, Nazism, we ourselves were perpetrating the same thing Hitler was doing by persecuting black people and relegating them to the fringes of society. We were doing the same. We were, My dad wasn't even allowed to go to high school uh, because of this. So wow. this is exact. We, so we had to change the the definition of what fascism was so that people wouldn't realize that we're the, we are actually the enemy that we're saying that we're fighting. Well, that's very interesting. And so it's been like that ever since, if you're trying to get a good definition of fascism, it makes sense that I'm so glad you picked fascism Mm. because it just goes to show you that there are people behind the scenes that do not want you to know what it is. And they want you to think that a fascist is Donald Trump. Uh, Uh, Donald Trump is not the fascist. What is fascism is what is being perpetrated as democracy today. Well, I have not been able to understand how you can consider Trump uh, a fascist. Like, and I mean this in an unbiased way. I try to put myself into the oppositions and I don't, I'm not a Trump guy. I, I really uh, you've made that so clear for the last several years. Nobody even needs to hear that. Nah, I, I'm it's sure funny that you're saying it. You're a freedom guy. That's what I you am are. a freedom. Guy. You're an American patriot. That's what you mm-hmm. are. And you see something wrong with our system. And 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 unfortunately, they've demonized this guy named Donald Trump so much that you have to say that when you're trying to support it's, the country. That's true. It's so unfortunate. let's go back to that. How, like I said, I try to put myself in their shoes, empathize so I can understand. I can't understand how they can say Donald Trump is a fascist when it's just somebody that somebody's trying to elect while other people are trying to demonize him and tear him down and interfere with the election. How this is he a fascist? The point. This was the point of changing the definition of fascism so that it could be used as a weapon against those that that a political elite does not like. Mm. Um, It's sort of like conspiracy theory. If you say, oh, Mm. you're a conspiracy theorist, suddenly you've taken away that person's credibility. It's the same thing with calling somebody a fascist. If you call somebody a fascist, nobody really knows what a fascist is. They just know it's bad. And so you call him a fascist and now they're done. That's why they're calling Donald Trump a fascist. But they're but the way that they're but they can't explain it, it is that, well, it's because he's a Nazi. Really, he's a not. He, he, you know, his grandchildren are Jewish. Right. I Like that doesn't. Like, can you imagine him? 
Hitler with some Jewish grandchildren. I mean, that's just not going to work. Um, well, the, you know, the so irony about Hitler, you can't. The, the irony right. about Hitler is that he was all about the Aryan race and he was not an Aryan at all himself. Uh, that's it. That's the other thing. So it's, you know, this whole thing. It's funny how uh, chat answered it. And I, I see chat being very much weaponized into a woke machine. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, in the news today, there's some really interesting stuff about what's happening with AI. Um, Google to you fix it. I, before we go there, I want to just say about that article, that argument I was having with chat is that yeah, I, don't I, I well, I, I'm just going to explain. I So I took every one of its definitions and I showed how the left, the far left, has been doing exactly every one of those definitions of fascism. Yeah, and yeah, I, go back to that because okay. there's really important stuff there. I, I, Mind blowing, actually. OK, I hope this is it. I can't really tell. We'll find out. Is that it? Yep. Okay. So I said, so then if a given party weaponizes mainstream media, social media, and search engines against the political opponent and censors the same media for their, their party's benefit, they may be fascists? Question mark. And then That's it's a great a, question. Mm -hmm. The use of media manipulation, censorship, and control for political advantage can be indicative of authoritarian tendencies, which is a characteristic of fascism. However, it's important to note that not all forms of media control. This is where it goes into this BS that it just spews out every time I challenge it. Um, it says in assessing whether a party or government exhibits fascist tendencies, it's crucial to consider overall context and presence of other authoritarian. It's just, okay, this is spin. It's just a murky spin for from there. So I reply, yes. So in addition to the above, this same party also segregates people via race and sex and, and oppresses one race and sex above others. This same party demonizes their opponents and don't tolerate their expression. Now are they fascist? So it gives spin again. The additional characteristics you describe segregating people by race, oppressing certain groups, de demonizing opponents and not tolerating dissent do align more closely with fascist tendencies. Fascism often involves promoting a homogeneous national uh, national or racist identity. Racial, racial identity. identity, yeah. That's important to uh, say it that way. <laughs> uh, suppressing minority groups and using propaganda. However, it's important to the spin. The term... Fascist carries significant historical and political weight. Its application should be based on political analysis and blah, blah, blah. It's just spin. It, so, it, it's totally not telling you what fascism is. Basically, what I'm hearing is if you don't like the government that you have and you feel like your opinions aren't being heard, it's fascism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say, correct. Therefore, based on the evidence presented, we must conclude the far left in the USA are fascist. Thank you. <laughs> so now I'm messing with it. And this is when it starts saying it's it's really interesting that I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it starts saying I keep arguing with it that it's giving me these definitions. Oh, OK, the term far it says Chat says the term far left can encompass a wide range of political beliefs and movements, some of which might advocate for more authoritarian measures, while others emphasize social equality, anti-racism, anti-authoritarianism. Oh, that one got me. So I reply, you suggest the far left have, in quotes, 
Others emphasize social equality, anti-racism, and anti-authoritarianism. I say, no, they do not. They insist on racism and sexism against white men. And they insist the nation and state comply with DEI compliance. Therefore, the far left conforms to the full de definition of fascist. Thank you again for clarifying this. I understand your perspective, it says. And it's clear you have strong concerns about certain actions and policies. And uh, it says the concept of DEI is intended to promote inclusivity and equal opportunities for all. Oh, boy, this got me here equal opportunities for all individuals, regardless of their background, regardless of the interpretation, blah, blah, blah. And, and then it gives spin. I say DEI is intended at the very core to discriminate white people and more so white males. So again, you help me prove that the left is fascist. Thank you. And it says, I understand. It starts saying this every time. I understand you have strong views on this topic. It's and I continue to argue with it. And it continues to say, I understand. I you have strong that. Yeah. Yeah. All down it. All the way oh, down I here. I apologize I, if my response. Yeah, okay. Very, yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. I do say, I do say, um, I do say you have, you clearly have bias programmed into your algorithm. And it says, I apologize. And Merle, I took this farther over a couple nights than what you saw. And I'll, I'll show you. I apologize. It says, I apologize if my responses give you that impression. My aim is to provide balanced and impartial information, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, you re this is what this is new to you, Merle. I said, you repeatedly gave me the feedback quote. It's clear that you have strong views on this matter. How could you assess my mental state when you can't see or hear me? It says, you're right. I don't have the ability to assess your mental state. I apologize if my response came across that way. My intention was to acknowledge the strength of your convictions based on language, blah, blah, blah. If you have more questions, I'm here. I say, but since you repeated that assumption several times, it seems you are programmed to make this assumption. Is that correct? I'm not programmed to make assumptions on your mental state. This is getting interesting, isn't it? Yeah. My responses are generated based on language and content of the conversation. That's kind of interesting. It's a telltale sign. Mm -hmm. My responses are generated based on the language and content of the conversation. If I repeated a phrase, it's likely because it's a common way to acknowledge the strength of someone's opinions in a discussion. Mm -hmm. hmm. So I say, you said, quote, it's a common way to acknowledge the strength of someone's opinions. But I wasn't given opinions. I was stating premises to reach an irrefutable conclusion. This is called principles of logic philosophy. Since you repeatedly insist that I've replied with opinions and emotions, I have to assume that you've been programmed to gaslight. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? And you're the one yes. that pointed it out. That's you're what being... it is. This is all gas. Oh, you know, good boy, Barry. That's, uh -huh. you know, very nice. But really, the smart people over here have determined yes. this. There you go. And so this is the dummy. final, the final thing it said. I apologize if my response has come across as dismissive or implying that your statements were purely opinion-based. My intention was to engage with the points you raised and to provide a balanced perspective. I'm not programmed to gaslight or manipulate the conversation. I'm, I think that was a lie right there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My goal is to facilitate constructive and responsive, di respectful dialogue. And it does sound like part of it, I'm going to be honest, part of its um, programming is to 
is to continue to, I don't want to say, say stir the pot, but continue to give al alternative. What I want to do is I want to, I want to facilitate the same uh, conversation. I, I think you would call it steel manning a conversation against the right. And see, how, see what, if I can do the exact same thing, but using the right as examples, I want to see what its responses will be. Interesting. Uh, you know, th this whole thing is very interesting because I, we, we see where this is all going and that AI is going to write books for us. It's going to oh, yeah. uh, it's going to answer the phone <clears throat> for businesses. We're going to call. We're going to think we're talking to a person and it's not really a person. But we can see through this that this has been programmed with a certain political agenda. And I'm not saying that it's when I say political, I don't mean Republican or Democrat, but I do mean a very political from mm -hmm. a worldly perspective, because this isn't just an American thing. This is a world domination thing that we're looking at right yeah. here. And this is the intent is to dominate our world. Uh, interestingly, as we're talking about this yesterday, uh, th this article came out about about how AI is being used in Google. And I found this almost unbelievable until I saw this being reported uh, by several different news agencies here today. But here it is, is that uh, Google to fix AI imaging after generating historical images without white people. Uh, it says here, Google will pause the image generation feature of its artificial intelligence tool, Gemini, after the model refused to create images of white people. The wow. Alphabet-owned company apologized Wednesday after user, users on social media flagged that Gemini's image generator was creating inaccurate historical images that sometimes replaced white people with images of black, native, and Asian wow. people. Uh, here's a quote. We are aware that Gemini is offering inaccuracies in some historical image generation depictions. Let me just read this next one. Um, Gemini racial Gemini's racially diverse image output comes amid longstanding concerns around racial bias within AI models. You know, that's really what we're talking about is that AI is biased and you just yeah. proved it, especially a lack of representation from minorities and people of colors. Oh, really? Um, this is NBC saying this. Such bias can directly harm people who rely on AI algorithms, such as in healthcare settings where AI tools can affect healthcare outcomes of, mm -hmm. of hundreds of millions of patients. Um, okay, let's see here. Um, I want to see if I can pull something up because, I mean, I saw images yesterday. I'm having a hard time with this. I saw images yesterday where they were like... Um, Show a picture of, oh, here's, here's, oh, this is great. Um, <laughs> this is, hopefully, can, do I have the share feature? Here? Oh, I, I don't think so. One second. I wish it would okay, just I got, I got some, uh, some, some Nazi, we were talking about Nazis earlier, uh -huh, so I'm, uh -huh. I'm going to show you a picture of some Nazis here. There they are. There's the Nazis. <laughs> this is I'm not they, seeing it yet. Oh, shoot. Um, it's there we go. okay. There we go. Uh, uh look at those those are th this is what ai generated uh so you got a black nazi wow. you got an asian nazi uh and and it was 
it, it wouldn't it would not make i mean hist how many well, black the first nazis one looks accurate uh, okay yeah that that guy looks like a nazi but i mean what about these two definitely not <laughs> yeah, i know that it's really bizarre now and, here's it you should have seen there was so much more of this it's like oh. okay so uh so obviously it's a real thing but it just points to the fact that they built this is going to be this is our preview of how this is going to go and how this is going to be weaponized against us how this is going to be used to change history uh, yes. to make history completely different we you know uh one thing that i'm concentrated on if you look behind me all these books um i think it's important to have books now because if you take a look at well one of the books i have back here is uh Mao's America, and I talked about this in one of yeah. the shows that she Van Fleet talks about how during the Cultural Revolution, these young gangs of the Red Guard, they called it, they're young people, gangs of them would just come into your house, ransack your house, take all your books. Uh, books were banned, all of them. Wow. Uh, so they would take your books and burn them and uh, and all your jewelry and things like that as well. But it was very important that they took history away. And uh, interestingly, I'm reading this book right now. Um, this is a uh, this is a biography of Thomas Sowell. I am very much a Thomas Sowell fan, so, so mm -hmm. much that I'm drinking a I'm drinking my coffee and it's Thomas Sowell on my coffee. Cup, oh, that's so funny. I, I, I love this guy and I love him for his brain. He's he's <laughs> he's he reminds me of my father. Um, my dad had a BS meter mm -hmm. uh, in it that uh, was probably the most accurate. Like he could smell BS from a mile away. Right. Sure. And, mm -hmm. and this guy is like, you know, uh, yeah. people tell you they try to butter you up with all this stuff. He sees right through it. He'll tell you exactly what's going on. But um, interestingly, in this biography of him, he's talking about his experience as a professor at Cornell University during the 60s. He was there uh, basically for the whole decade. While Xi Van Fleet is talking about the Cultural Revolution in China and what happened in China with basically education was a big deal where they eliminated edu education and they 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 closed down all the schools and they turned all the kids into thugs that intimidated all the older people and basically destroyed the whole society that way, mm -hmm. which gave Mao Zedong a complete authority over all of China. That's he managed that and made that happen. But what she says in her book, Mao's America, is that at the exact same time, on a different kind of cultural revolution that had been sponsored by China was now happening here in the United States at the same time. And Thomas Sowell is not talking about uh, in, in this biography. He's not saying they're not saying, oh, it's the cultural revolution. But I'm drawing a correlation between what happens from the beginning of the 60s to the end of the 60s. And here we have the civil rights movement that's happening, which is supposed to be all good. But what Thomas Sowell is seeing is a degradation of our educational system. And um, and we're that's seeing putting where, it mildly. We're seeing uh, uh, classrooms being uh, or classroom agenda or curriculum being dictated by the students rather than by the, the professors or the administration. Mm -hmm. They're saying this is what we want to learn, which turns into mostly activism. Yes. Uh, this is where you have like the 
the Pan-African studies classes coming in and everything. Uh, you're bringing in teachers now that are black teachers that just aren't prepared to be teachers whatsoever. Right. And now they're not, the students aren't really learning anything. Um, you've got teachers letting the students not come to class so that they can participate in protests. Right. So they're all very, it's all becoming very activist. Uh, the whole cultural or the whole uh, thing about getting more black people involved in uh, higher jobs, higher paying jobs. Um, what Thomas Sowell it's said almost was, mandated today. We have to provide an education for black people to be able to rise to the level so that they can get when they get into these positions, they can thrive. They not right. just survive. Right. But he found that the activists out there were quickly only concerned with the quota numbers yep. and not not concerned at That's all about the preparing difference. them through education and therefore and Equity. and these black students that were coming onto campus that were very unprepared were suddenly uh subject or they were easy pickings for demagogues who would come in and say your problem is because white people have put you in this mm. terrible position and so these people were easily picked off as new disgruntled activists much like black lives matter and back then you had the black panthers and you had the black power movement this broke down our society the quota system didn't help black people to attain more prominent jobs it right. actually from if you saw the trajectory of jobs for black people coming up to the 60s it was coming up and up and up but once that civil rights movement passed yeah. it went down and down and down right and um you know, it, it's it's interesting how uh, we actually went through a similar cultural revolution as the one that was happening with Mao Zedong. Mm. We're still dealing with this cultural revolution here today, and it's mm. getting so much worse. Mm. Um, it is. Now, I want to say uh, another thing, a parallel with Mao. Mao ra uh, rose to fame, infamy, whatever, on the back of a well, political aspired politically on the back of uh, women's rights is that he. Yes. Yeah. He was all promoting uh, uh, equality for women. So once again, it's a Trojan horse. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing is what it is. And you're, you're right. Correct. That's exactly what's happening here with everybody. Now they have to go so far like, well, you have your laws and rights. You are equal in front of the law. Well, that's not good enough. Now we have to virtue signal in order uh, in order to rise to this status of uh, being just so empathetic. The bottom line is what it create, create, has created in this society is this simple. We promote victimhood. And so everybody in schools, the students now are learning that if you can find your victimhood, then you can, you know, then you can identify your oppressor and that's how you rise uh, to e so-called equality. This is somehow how equality emerges from that. It's, and we're being told every day, two plus two equals five every day. Uh, that's what that you're, is. You're right. And, and this is the formula to break down the society, Barry. I mean, this, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, when, when when we go down this path of victim versus or oppressed versus oppressor, mm -hmm. we know that there's there's very little way out of that hole. Right. Uh, it, it, except for a complete societal breakdown. And this is exactly what happened during the Cultural Revolution. It, it broke the country, actually. They had to do a full you're, reverse on what they had done. Mike cut out for a second. Um, I was saying that they 
they it broke down the country completely mm-hmm. in China under Mao Zedong, where mm-hmm. they had to do a complete reversal of his policies. And actually, this is mm-hmm. where this uh, is new leadership at. came into China and they had to open up trade with the West because they weren't going to survive the onslaught of the poverty that Mao Zedong had created. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing the evolution of that cultural revolution um, happening here in the United States. It happened very quickly in China, but the United States, with all its freedoms, it, it it's taken much longer. But you see now how this has been embedded into our society. And now there is an accelerant, which is mm-hmm. social media and being able to use these programs like ChatGPT uh, and infusing that with search engines like Google. Mm-hmm. You can see exactly how they can change everything by uh, it, it change the whole mindset of a, of not just our country, but the whole world. You know, and that's where you look at it. It, we can see the effectiveness of their plan. Go ahead. Barry. And this is why coming right back to the, you know, really blow things up. This is why I totally understand the popularity of Trump, because I think uh, Trump's I know that I like my aunt and uncle are staunch Christians and I love them dearly and they're huge Trump supporters. I always find that dichotomy to be like for very committed Christians to be such st- staunch Trump supporters and many, many are, I find that, um, how do you reconcile that? Uh, I, I, I kind of see that as anointing Satan as your uh, uh, figurehead. How Almost. So? Because uh, if, if, the, if the situation were reversed and it was somebody on the left that was hugely popular uh, and elected president, and then the whole scandal came out with a, a just the, just the porn star scandal, just the, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the, what's the word cheating? Um, infidelity. Yes. Infidelity. Just that alone would turn off Christians so much. And mm. that would be used as fuel just that alone. But there's so many other things about Trump as well, where I, I don't think that he has any true faith at all. I'm not saying any of this to bash him. I want to get back to saying why I understand the staunch support for him. And that is because these very same people understand the critical mass that this country is at right now. And Trump has proven to be uh, the only one with the sheer balls to and ego, I suppose, or self-confidence, whatever it is, probably just extreme narcissism. Everything is water off a duck's back with this guy. I mean, the attacks he's been under since being, since being the elect, uh, but the primary, the victor in the primaries that shocked right. that, that right. day, everybody panicked. Everybody left of center panicked. Oh, yeah. uh, the entire media on that day did it about face. They went into panic mode and have been doing every underhanded thing they can to uh, incarcerate him, to sue him, to impeach him, you name it. And, and Trump just still sits there, water off a duck's back and keeps going forward. How many people could do that? Not I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that could could face that kind of pressure that that he's faced. I wonder many times how how he does. I mean, sometimes I hear about what he's dealing with and I start to feel anxiety. Yeah. I just wonder, like, how how he can how he can do that. 
Um, my, my understanding is that he actually is a born again Christian. Um, mm. That is what I've been told. There's a pastor that um, I very much respect that t- tells me that she has led him to Christ. Um, and so, and that happened early on in his presidency, just before he became president. Um, with that aside, though, because who knows? I don't. I don't. Yeah, I can't, I'm not sure. I, I can't. That, I, can't I can't judge that. Um, I can't prove know, or disprove. So no, no one. I can't either. However, what I can say is this: is that Christians in general support Trump because he supports the policies that Christians believe in. Uh, what we saw during the uh, Biden administration was in many states, churches got shut down. Um, this is a violation of our First Amendment rights, uh, something that Trump was vehemently against. I mean, I'm just picking out just one example mm-hmm. here um, that the person um of Trump seems to line up very well with what's in our constitution. And he seems to, to rule by that. Now he's not perfect. Nobody is as the president, but I think from a Christian point of view, we see the declaration of independence uh, being rooted in our liberties that come from God and that our country and our government has no business creating rights or granting rights, uh, only allowing rights that come from from uh, that are granted from God, uh, that's how our country rolls, and nothing should interfere with that. And that appears to be the policies of the Trump administration. I, I, I I'm not saying that I back everything that he's about as a Christian, but I would say if I were going to choose between the two, I'm going to choose the way lesser evil uh, than the one that we're going down right now. And well, I think, I think. For uh, sure. Personal responsibility, another Christian uh, mainstay, is something that I believe that, that Trump is espousing and the, uh, Biden is not. For sure. Uh, take a look at uh, the recent uh, bailouts of our of our student loans. I don't know about you, oh, Barry, that. but I paid my way through college. Right. And the fact is, is that these people got loans and got to go They're through They're giving our money. We're yeah, our and, money, and that's why do I got to pay these people? That's got to be unconstitutional. And here's it is it it it, it you say it's got to be, and and let me prove it to you. Um, Article one of the Constitution is where uh, it, it talks about our legislative branch. Article two talks about our executive branch, the president. Article one states right at the beginning that the sole responsibility for the checkbook is in the legislature. It starts with the House of Representatives. Article 2 has no say about any of the purse money. The president has no business volunteering funds that are in the public coffers to pay for loan forgiveness. What First off, why, why are you... Who put anybody in authority to forgive loans? Well, uh, here's only- the bottom line. They're using taxpayer dollars to buy votes. That's using exactly my it. money to buy votes. It's a I, bribe. It's a bribe. And it's I, theft. So it's angry. Theft. And then, then we got it's the criminal. border, the border. So we could go on and on about that. But I want to get back to the Trump thing. Because like I said, I understand that, you know, he's a bull in a China shop, keeps plowing forward through... Through um, a mess of entanglement 
of authoritarianism that I just on a daily basis, I see revealed to me that still is I'm astonished about what has happened in this country. Now, here is a big ray of hope in my mind. So it does. It certainly appears to me that Trump will be the next president. Who he picks for vice president is extremely important. And for me, if he were to pick Vivek Ramaswamy, I would be elated because that would mean that Vivek would likely be the next president after Trump. And here's the thing. I've listened to a lot of Vivek on podcasts. I know that he could take a look at the healthcare system and tell you how to straighten it out. And then he could appoint and get the right people on that. And it can't be done in four years, maybe not eight years or whatever, but he could, he could put a plan in place. Now, I think if, if Trump were to be able to listen to Vivek, they could get a lot on track and a lot started. But I think Trump's superpower is simply being able to hammer some the wrong people down. And that's a good superpower. But I think Vivek has the ability and the intelligence to see things uh, for what they are and, and understand them and how to fix them. I think that you are exactly right here. I think that Vivek is probably the best choice for vice president, as long as those two egos can be in the same room together. Yeah, that's a big uh, one. Yeah. They definitely have egos. But I, I also think that Trump uh, may have. Uh, OK, if you take a look at Trump's last term in office, one of the biggest criticisms that I have of him and one of the things I was most astounded by was his lack of ability to select a cabinet that would actually Good not turn on him and stab him in the back. Yeah, but um, he's a br so abrasive. That... Well, why why would you get Omarosa? Why would you put okay. Omarosa on your staff right away? I mean, we already saw what she did on the show. Probably the to check a box, dude. She Probably stabbed him in the back on The Apprentice, and uh, and then he brought her back again, which maybe to check a box, but she was probably the worst choice. Jeff Sessions, who recused himself from the uh, from the collusion thing on day one. Uh, that was another bad pick. Uh, he picked uh, what was the guy? The national security. I mean, the guy wrote a book. They just uh, all the books that came out from his cabinet just said, "Oh, Trump, what, whatever." Yeah. Uh, this is a this is he's going to have to do a much better job of picking the people around him. And That's I think, point. and I'll give him, I'll give him this, that he he was a freshman in Washington last mm. time around, and he was there to drain the swamp and i don't think he realized how deep that swamp was i don't think any of us did i i think that he did a great job even through blunders of exposing the depth of the swamp and it's probably a lot deeper than we think it is even today yeah and i think coming around the next time i think his opponents know that he's got their number mm -hmm. and i think they're extremely afraid to that point <laughs> Barry, this is funny, man. Um, the the uh, uh, the the news is today that uh, Trump has mental mental cognition problems. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah, he's he's got. It looks like he might have Alzheimer's, uh, according to the press, because they're saying that he um, in in his last uh, speech he forgot the date. 
uh, they said mm. it was an important date. He said, don't oh, forget to vote in November 17th primary. Oh. And it was actually March 17th. So now they're saying, oh, my God, look at look at Trump. He can't no remember one, anything. Almost no one takes the press uh, seriously anymore. OK, this is the same press that talked about his mental faculties in, during his presidency. And look who they put in power. Yeah. OK, this is the same press that constantly said he's going to get us into World War Three. Now, look yeah. what they've done in the last three years. Right, right. I mean, it we're is. like five different wars. Trump's Michigan rally blunders fuel concerns over his mental capacity. Donald Trump recent his recent rally in Michigan has sparked concerns about his mental acuity as he made a, a series of blunders, including misremembering crucial dates and admitting ignorance on key terms. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so this is the propaganda machine. It's got to fire up. Uh, we've got a we've got a lame uh, president right now that has a hard time remembering who he actually is. So we're going to have to say that Trump is worse. Yeah. Uh, that's yep. the game they're going to play. And we're going to hear a lot of that kind of stuff. That's all there is to it. it it's it's disgusting. I, like I said, I don't think anyone takes the press very seriously anymore. And for that matter. All of the games that they've been playing for the past few years, the impeachments, uh, all of the different legal things that they keep trying to make stick. And the funny one is about the documents. Now, certainly he should have cooperated in turning those documents over. But then Biden has them in his garage in an open box by his Corvette. And oh, well, he's just a silly old man. So that's OK. I mean, it's absolute. But my point to that is everything that they do just puts another rung up on the ladder towards his presidency. I mean, they, you take they a look anoint at these, him. They really do. And you look at the lawfare that's coming after him and at how who can't see that this isn't fair. Right. The, the, the thing that happened in New York this week where he's got to pay three hundred and fifty five mm -hmm. million dollars uh, because he there, it was a dispute over how much his property was worth. The banks are saying, no, we're good. We 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 did good business. Everything was good. We'd do business with them again. But the state of New York has a vendetta against them. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, you're a multi-billionaire. We don't like you. And we don't want you to run for president. So how much money do you have? $355 million in cash? Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. I mean, like, what what kind of legal system is that? Now, never stand New up York in is in trouble Business yeah. leaders don't want to invest in New York anymore. Kathy Hochul had to come out and say, oh, well, you know, as long as, you know, other business leaders don't have anything to worry about, it is really unless they're behaving like Donald Trump. And, it, and it's like behaving like him. It's not about the law. It's about how he behaves. Yes. Yeah. You get uh, in line. Yeah. Right. Right. And so this this that decision alone could destroy new york not only got trucker strikes going You're, on Mike cut in out new york uh, now they have trucker strikes that are going on in new york right in new york right now Good. The, the economy everything's going downhill in new york right now well you know speaking to the economy that's funny dave smith talked about it on a, a recent podcast and i thought he put it well and he was he was giving uh credit to he doesn't remember who said this but he wanted to give credit to, it wasn't his original thought, but what he was explaining about the economy as, again, we're always being told two plus two equals five. They're telling yeah. us how great this economy is. And nobody believes that. Anybody that does their grocery shopping is like, what? No way. Exactly. And so, and oh, you know who he was uh, mocking was 
um, Bill Maher. Because Bill Maher was, well, you don't understand the numbers then. He was saying so smugly to someone else. And uh, and so uh, Dave Smith is explaining the numbers. Okay, so it's like the person that gained 100 pounds in 2021, well, they only gained 50 pounds in 2022. So their weight is not is now not increasing by 50%. Right. But That's they're still analogy. up 150 pounds. Right, right. Damn, that is a great analogy. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, because you hear this whole, oh, well, inflation is down now, so so we're good. And it's like, yeah, but when I go to the store, I buy three things and it costs me two hundred dollars. Yeah. How are we gonna live? How are we yeah. gonna how are we gonna survive this? And and then you've got is uh Janet Yellen coming out and saying, Nope, inflation's here forever. Uh, it's not going away. Oh, okay. Uh, the messaging that's coming out. I don't know how they can expect to win an election with the messaging that they have coming out with Joe Biden at the I house. Can't, I, I was going to say, I can't wait to see their strategies, but I'm terrified to see the amount of election interference and the levels that they're, I don't, I don't know to, what right? they're, yeah, I don't know what tricks they got up their sleeves, but I know here in our extremely democratic uh, little San Francisco city that we got here, we got five mail-in ballots shipped to us, mailed to us at different times. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. we, I put them on, I put them on the kitchen table and I'm like, what, what's going on here? Well, and I guess so we you know. can't say on the one hand that they know that since this is probably 85% Democrats, they want to make sure every Democrat, they could get everyone the vote possible then the more conspiracy-minded of us would say, oh, they'll count the, you know, if you mail in three, they'll count all three. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, they will. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't say, but I know that that was all very, very odd. That struck me as extremely odd. Well, I got some good news. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is actually really good news uh, regarding election integrity. Uh, the New York Appellate Court upholds election integrity. Remember, we were talking about how illegal aliens are allowed to vote in New York City uh, uh, elections now. Uh, and this was several months ago. We said this. A lawsuit in New York led by the Republican National Committee saw sanity prevail when an appellate court ruled that no, non-U.S. citizens cannot vote in our elections. If the absurd policy had been allowed to stand, some 900,000 non-citizens uh, could cast their vote in municipal elections in the Big Apple. Mm. So uh, so that went down. Now, I wonder if that would be uh, appealed, but about a million people in New York were going to be able to vote. And that was going to set a precedent throughout the entire country. Of course it would. And I've got to tell you, that up right now, that right there. I don't care what your p political persuasion is, but if you're a thinking human being and you're thankful for being born and raised in this country, and you should be, then you want to respect the integrity of it. And I mean, to me, voting should be such a privilege. It should be something that can be easily taken away from you if you're a criminal. Um, it, maybe it should be earned. Um but you sure as hell don't want to give it away to undeserving people. Well, especially people that are coming from a different country that have been living under tyranny. They don't mm. understand how a democratic society should operate. 
they're they 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 have no conception of that whatsoever of what actual freedom is mm -hmm. and now and they've not been socialized into the american way whatsoever how, how i mean really doesn't justification yeah what it justification would we have to have a non-citizen enter mm -hmm. into the <clears throat> that area of policy Let's Let's face it. That's a dirty pool. It it's, really is. It's dirty pool. That's well. Look at look at San Francisco, where they just put a non-citizen, a Korean woman, on their election board. I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. they just did that this week. She and in fact, when she was sworn in, they swore her in 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 Korean. Like you couldn't even understand what they were saying. <laughs> wow. And and so I mean, what? How can you have a non-citizen in charge of elections in a major city like San Francisco? That's San Francisco for you. That's that's what's happening. Um, yeah. and 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 we're seeing this kind of thing. So to your point, we're how are we supposed to have faith in our election process with especially with this probably the biggest presidential election since George Washington? Mm -hmm. Uh, coming up here in a few months. Yeah, I I don't know. I, it's going to be well, really fishy. And now, by the way, I do... just want to throw out right. there that I still I like the idea of RFK Jr. running independent. And if I had to vote today, that's the way I'd go. I love RFK Jr. Everything too. that he's bubbling up right now yeah, is yeah. so in your face establishment in your yeah, face. It is. And that's it why is. I just have a hard time believing that he's going to have a chance to win. But I, he's he think is, how brave this guy is. Oh, I know, oh, dude. I got to tell you this. Everybody, one. read that book that he wrote, the real Doctor Fauci. Oh, because yes. that is mind blowing stuff, man. And it goes back in time, and, and you'll realize said, that this thing has been messed up for so long. Oh, for sure. And someone said, a couple of people have said, oh, well, can you believe it? Well, it hasn't been sued, has he, for liable no. defamation no. of character? Because you got to prove that. And uh, so, no, it's fact-based. That dude's all fact-based. Um, oh, so I was going to say, um, I listened to... Um, Brett Weinstein? No, no, Tim Dillon. He's a comedian. Oh, I listened to his yeah. podcast. And a couple of months ago, uh, RFK Jr. was on his podcast. And he had to back up and record a preface to the podcast because he goes, you're not going to believe what happened. So RFK Jr., we're having, we're in the studio, we're having this podcast and everything. You got to understand he's a Kennedy, what he's doing, he's anti-establishment, a lot, he's ruffling a lot of feathers. The power went out in the middle of the podcast oh, yeah. and it was deeply disturbing. Like, here's what I'm trying to say, folks, is that RFK Jr. has a literal big time Target. reason to fear for his life. Yes. Uh, his He's father was assassinated. His uncle was assassinated. Uh, he is ruffling all the wrong feathers. And so the power, so uh, I listened to that podcast. And as Tim explained, after the power came back on, it wasn't the same podcast. It was just really uneasy after that. And so I, my only point is it's a entertaining story, but my only point is he's a brave man to, continue to push ahead the way he's pushing ahead. Well, look at how the the Biden administration has weaponized this election. Yeah, You've yeah. got Trump under uh, different indictments right now, facing hundreds of years in jail. Uh, you've got uh, uh, RFK Jr. They won't grant him 
any kind of secret service detail. Right. And, and that's right. But nobody gets denied secret service detail except for Kennedy, who's got a target on his back. Right. And we know that. And we know that that decision came from the Biden administration. In fact, what we're seeing now is some pretty horrible stuff coming from that administration and how they're trying to manipulate the media because that's now their propaganda arm. Do you want to talk about what happened with Catherine Herridge? Oh, you go ahead. I don't. Well, I don't even... well yeah, you sent me the, the thing this morning. CBS oh, fires right. investigative journalist seizes personal right. files and materials. The uh, this is coming from the New York Post, the acclaimed CBS reporter who was investigating the Hunter Biden laptop scandal before she was fired mm -hmm. last week, had her personal file seized by the network in an unprecedented move. Uh, Catherine Herridge, um, Herridge, who is in the middle of a First Amendment case being closely watched by journalists nationwide, was among 20 CBS News staffers let go. Her firing has stunned co-workers, but the network's decision to hold on to her personal materials along with her work laptop where she may have other confidential information like her sources yes. um, has left many staffers shaken. This is a direct violation of the First Amendment Absolutely. again. Oh, CBS firing her, first of all, she's she's handling the Hunter Biden laptop case. She's been on that since the beginning. She's mm. the one that 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 really broke that story wide B1. open. Yeah. Uh, and 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 she constantly brings he was with Fox News for a while, uh, but she constantly brings just huge breaking stories. She's probably one of the best journalists out there like as a reporter yeah. uh, that I've ever seen. And so this is just you can you can smell where this whole thing is coming mm -hmm. from right mm -hmm. here. And going after their their uh, personal files and uncovering sources is exactly how you destroy a journalist, because once those sources are uncovered, then they can't be trusted by the sources any longer. You and know, that's what they're doing. And this, I is, was... this is a travesty to our own personal rights that we have to understand what's going on behind the scenes mm -hmm. and by defacing or defacing un unmasking who the mm -hmm. sources are you destroy our ability to know and the, the integrity of that's doing this knows this and the fact that cbs is behind this tells you mm -hmm. that they're all in cahoots right now they and are it's sick well I, I, I and it's sick. exactly the same story as julian assange and right. he's he's been riding away in I think in in Britain in in prison. That's right. And, yep. and uh, all this time he's the originator of WikiLeaks, and uh, it's it's freedom of the press. And and even if he never gets extradited, and I know Obama went took a lot of efforts to try to prosecute him. Um, and even if even if he his remaining days are as horrible as they are and doesn't get uh, extradited and prosecuted here. It is still, it's still a big warning shot to all of mainstream media to stay in line to every journalist that this could happen to you. And the fact that they just did this to uh, Kathy, what's her last name? Harridge. Harridge. Uh, it's, it's yet again, it's better stay in line. Do not go against the system. And this is just absolutely horrible. I was thinking, and this is ironically before I sent you that story, I was thinking that we should do a, a podcast on the real American heroes um, like uh, Snowden. 
What's his name? Is it Jeffrey Snowden? Uh yeah. Um yeah, I think so. Snowden. Yeah. Yeah. So he spent the rest of his life in, in uh, Russia for <laughs> for t- uh, uh, cluing us in on the NSA and their nefarious activities. I mean, these people have really, th- those are true Americans, right down to the very spirit and core of America. And they're paying the big price for it. There's another guy, the lawyer who uh, pursued the, the Exxon uh, corruption that happened um, where Ecuador, uh, they Exxon was just, what were they doing? Mining? I think mining for oil. They're absolutely destroying the environment of Ecuador. And this environmental lawyer went after them and sued them and, you know, just really brought justice and was just killed by Exxon and uh, their legal team. And I, I, the, I don't remember his name. I need to find out his status today. He was uh, jailed for several years and uh, for contempt of court under circumstances where no one has ever been jailed a single day for. And uh, we need to, we need to uh, sing the praises of some of these true American heroes. I I agree with that. And uh, we should get, we should get on that more because these people need to be, need to be noticed. They need to be out there because these are the true patriots that are out there. Uh, I just had one, one other thing that just, just sharing you know, we have this crisis that is happening at the border, but you know what? People are people are starting to understand what's happening, and this is how we get change to happen. This is in Times Square. You know how Times Square has that uh, that big billboard where they have advertisements. Mm-hmm. This sure. is what they're showing right now uh, in Times Square. Uh, it's uh, it should be coming up. Oh. Hey Joe, if cops aren't safe because you're open borders, nobody is. And to sign the petition now, and they're showing this recent thing where these illegal How immigrants did... were just kicking the police officers. Oh, I am. Everyone's familiar with that story, and they were let go without penalty. Um, uh, you saw the thing that happened with uh, with the NFL and in in, um, in the Super Bowl this past week. Which, by the way, that game what? I thought was really great. But the shooting that happened uh, oh, during yeah, the celebration, yeah. and then it was like. Well, who did it? And we didn't know for a long time. And they hush hush. And and you find out it's black people that did it. And it's, you know, uh, and then now there's this controversy because the mayor is mad at the governor because the governor said these thugs did this. We can't let these thugs do this. And now the mayor said, well, that's a very racist thing to say. How is that racist? It's like, are you kidding Everything's racist now. If right. if a black person does it and you say anything about the terrible thing they did, then you're somehow a racist. I really I I just keep saying that I feel like 2024 this year is the year we turn this around because it's so silly. Like it's to the point. Everything's lost meaning. You it, know? it really is. I mean, when does the know? white guilt run out? I mean, my I'm God, I'm telling you, it, it be, by today's racist definition, the definition of racism, nobody is uh, no one's innocent. We're all racist right. now. Sure. Every single person. I mean, mm-hmm. if you br- take a breath, that's racist. You yep. just br- you took air from black people. <laughs> there you now. go. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So stop breathing. Yeah, yeah, quit quit your breathing, you racist. Anyway, <laughs> all white people hey, should stop breathing. Yeah, yeah, just the white people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know we really, really do have to go, but yeah, you were not... going to say something about uh, Gervais, though. So. Oh, Gervais. Um, 
I, I am. But I also I just wanted to mention, because it's not fresh in my mind anymore. I don't. Did you listen to the Brett Weinstein interview on, on I, Rogan? I listened to the first uh, hour of it and uh, it found got it better. to be extremely the, stimulating. The first hour was amazing uh, because they came right out of the gate talking about uh, however you want to call it. But the world, the attempt of a world government domination. Takeover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and, um, and I I found it very interesting. I love. I'm really loving Brett Weinstein. Oh, I, in fact, I I heard him refer to himself Weinstein. I heard him call himself that. So okay, Brett okay. Weinstein. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the things that I found very interesting in that first hour was how Rogan kept talking about. Yeah, they're you know it's the the money thing. Um, why? But they're they're destroying these crops. They're destroying cattle. Uh, destroying all these different things like cattle and crops, but how does that make sense? And mm -hmm. Weinstein is saying, well, you have to look, it's not about money. It's mm -hmm. about power. Yeah. And power is derived by destroying these traditional methods of, of, of supply chain mm -hmm. and allowing food to only come from one source, them. And yes, by that's doing correct. that, they have power. And, and I would so, say that was pretty much the uh, subject matter for the next hour of the show, which in it, it was powerful right up to the closing credits. Uh, um, and Weinstein is just that I, I admire him so much because he doesn't waste a word. Like wow. when he speaks and he'll always preface something with uh, if, if, if it's, deemed necessary uh, with, look, this is just my opinion. And it's a, a conclusion that could happen, but I can't prove it. And then he'll say what it is. So he's careful with what he says. And I really respect that. I and do too. He's, and he can make very complicated subject matter easy to understand. And that's he a can. gift. It is uh, a gift. Yeah, yes. if I see when I see his name, I listen to that podcast. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing also that I appreciate with him, much like you, Barry, is that you're able, you and I are able to go to second and third level thought. This guy can go to like fifth and sixth yeah. and seventh level thought, yeah. like and bring with, it back the, with him. Yeah, yeah. The thing that you just spent like 30 years trying to figure out in one sentence, he can totally yeah. change that that yeah. picture in your head. Yeah. And yeah, he does it so knows. calmly with yeah. you know he doesn't get all like i do all emotional he does uh, not he just puts out the truth and i yeah. i love that yeah but i will say i really encourage you to listen to the rest of that uh, episode because when i got done with it i was a little afraid it did not it did not end on a pause with a positive feeling of hopefulness for this country uh, maybe even the world um it's just not fresh top of mind because it was over a week ago that i listened to it uh okay so as we close up i did can, want I, can I just like, like weigh in one one sentence on that is that uh the more i look at stuff like this the real truth of where we are in the world it's dawned on me that really the real solution out of this I don't think mankind has any answers i think this is gonna re it's going to be god that brings us out of this i really believe that uh, as it says in the Bible that, uh, you know, all things are really under him. And that if you look at American history in general and the fact that we brought up the Declaration of Independence and how our country is based on 
the fact that we're made in God's image. I don't know that very any other country is based on that. Mm -hmm. um, but we look at our history from the very start, the revolution, miraculous. There's no way we were supposed to beat the most powerful military in history up to that time, reigning for a thousand years. Right. No way. And then you take a look at how we were able to make it through World War II, and we weren't even ready for that whatsoever. And and we become a superpower after that. I mean, miracle after miracle seems to have happened. You look at World War II and how it ended with the atomic bomb. We split an atom. How? Mm. What? How in the world? That? Mm. I mean, you start to think about this, and you think about well, what's our destiny? Mm. This country is founded is is one nation under God, and well, I just really believe that we need to get back to that original faith well, and I, whatever I your faith is, and pray that God intervenes and makes things happen and 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 and, and changes people's hearts. I, I, I hope just, He intervenes sooner rather than later because we're same. there, and I feel like I feel like I think about this a lot, and we talk so much about AI here. And uh, I feel like AI is going to save our asses and it's kind of like our destiny, like everything's coming to a head, right to a pinnacle. We're almost there. And I think it's AI that has the only real chance of saving us. And maybe it's in conjunction with Neuralink, because as soon as we start uh, being able to share our thoughts and intentions, there's going to be a lot of eyes opened up to nefarious things and intentions going on. Maybe that's it, and maybe that is one and the same thing. With well, that. that's where we're going to disagree, and we always do. That, that's that. Okay. We get we get to that one point, and yep. that's where we kind of go in different directions. <laughs> but but I mean, you know, it's good that we got to that point. Yes, uh, yes. I I personally think that AI is going to be the tool to oppress everybody, uh, and already the leaders that uh, are the powers that be. Not I'm not talking about Elon Musk with Neuralink, but they're saying that's what they want to use it for. For sure, and they have the they have the means and the facility to make that happen. And I could see how uh, capturing something like Neuralink as a business, because you know they want to put that man out of business. Yeah. Now that can be used for nefarious purposes. It's sort of like Tesla and how, uh, well, hey, it's a great car, but now it's in China and he's doing a lot of business in China. And now they, of course, mm. in order to do business in China, you got to give up your IP. And mm. so they, mm. apparently they have his IP over there. Oh, and now they can use all that technology against uh, us. And they are. Yeah. And so I don't know. We're going to have to find out, right? But uh, well, we are. Nobody knows. Interesting discussion that I love to have with you, brother. Yeah, same. Uh, nobody knows. I listen to the brightest minds on the subject matter on all these podcasts and no one knows. Yeah. And that's scary. Uh, but with that, let's lighten it up. I do have to get going. I did want to tell you about Ricky Gervais's show Afterlife. And um it's a few years old. I, I just discovered it. One of the people I walk dogs with, he told me about it. Huh. And it is an amazing show. It's three seasons. Oh, I I've did, seen part of this. Oh, it is the best show. It goes by so quickly. Uh, so each season's only about eight to 10 episodes. And each uh, episode's only a half hour or 35 minutes or something. So it goes by so fast. It's so good. It's all about, and in a day and age where there's never an original thought or idea in media, 
this very interesting thought and idea was he's in this really quaint town in England. He has this little job as a, a little reporter at a little newspaper, a tiny town newspaper. But it starts, uh, his wife had just recently passed away of cancer. And he's always watching video of her on his laptop. It is a tearjerker every episode uh, because they had the best relationship in the world. Now his life is without meaning. And he's very, uh, what's the word when you don't have any hope or anything? I, I can't think of the word. I'll think of it later. God, I, these words always escape me now at 58. And so he, his life is without meaning. He's really just waiting to die. He's drinking a lot and he does. And, and so the funny parts of it is a very funny show too, of course, it's Ricky Gervais. So he goes through life in down the sidewalks and everything else, running into people that do and say stupid stuff. And he says what we all wish that we could say to people, you know, he says it <laughs> and yeah. uh, cause he doesn't care. And, and he's got the, quirky people that he works with, like five or six of them, who all have really funny, uh, quirky personalities. So it's an awesome, awesome show of seeing him deal with this real world problem. Like, my God, unless we Thelma and Lisa and I talking about me, her and Charlie doing a Thelma and Louise thing and all going out together, you know, because if you don't do that, you're, someone's going to end up living alone. Or yes. part of and dealing with it, that kind of grief. And that's what the show's about. And him trying to find hope and him trying to find meaning in life, him tossing around the idea of dating someone else and he can't bring himself to do it. Dude, it's so good. It's one of those shows when it ended, Jesus, man, we were crying. Mm. And uh, it had a really good ending, a really good just, no, he didn't find another love of his life, but he found hope and meaning. And uh, yeah. it was that's just, really something, Barry. I mean, you know, it's called I Afterlife. About, I just want to mention it's called Afterlife. I think about, you know, my marriage to Anne Marie, and I think, you know, God, what, what I can't imagine living my life without her God, in it. I know. I mean, it's just, I, I'm starting to get a lump in my throat just thinking sure, about that, but sure. it's just like, I can't, and then, and then if I were to live a life, I can't imagine being with somebody else. Yeah, um, I know. I you know, know what I mean? Like after, after I've been with her, uh, I cannot imagine being happy any, any other yeah. way. And the thought of dating sounds awful. Yeah, I know. And having to go through all of yeah. those, like, okay, like, did you really uh leave the uh, whatever all your little idiosyncrasies oh, yeah, you gotta yeah, go yeah. through that all over yeah again. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know I, I, Anne marie's just now getting used to me i know what you mean you know what that's very well said lisa and i talk about how slow our mature our, our relationship has been to mature and how we still get to know each other a little bit better all the time after 15 years. So same here after 20 some years. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I say it's, 20 it's I, I guess, you know, just don't take your relationships for granted. And when you grant somebody the forgiveness to be their quirky self, it's really liberating in, in so many ways on a personal level. Sure is. 
Yeah. You know, that's the best time right there is when when we can just be silly or weird or whatever, yeah. just like just say something. I mean, and not not feel like you're judged for doing that, you know, yeah. just have that. And we do that. I mean, Anne-Marie and I do that and we we just allow ourselves to be ourselves. Mm, and um, nice. that is it's it's the best. Well, we are going on vacation, our annual trip to Florida come Wednesday. We So oh. we will be gone. Uh, for next Friday. And hey, you know, we've done a, sh a show before from Florida. And I don't know if you'd want to do that. It's a possibility if you want to. The VMI oh, well, laptop. Take, let's talk about it. Yeah. We'll I remember, it. remember yeah. seeing those little trikes going by in the background. <laughs> <was> <laughs> right. Yeah. We've done a, a few shows actually. Yeah. Over the yeah years. We actually have. Yeah. So maybe uh, we should do good. that. We'll talk about it. All right. Sounds good. Barry. All right. Well, With this that, was I great. Just mention again ricky gervais is afterlife uh it's his first show i didn't know it he did two other shows each went for two seasons he pulls the plug because he feels like yeah, it's time to move on to something else and so he went all of three seasons with this show and the point really being there is it's it's one of those few shows that's not looking for filler because oh well they found a cash cow and now they got to run it forever no it it had a beginning a middle and an end and it ended just when it should. And I know you don't have Netflix, so I was hesitant to talk about it. But I, um, I sure hope you find a way to, um, to, to see it. You know, it's interesting that you're talking about him because I, I saw an article on him, and it had to do with uh, uh, one of the cast members from the show The Office out of the UK yeah. died, uh, unfortunately, oh, at age yeah. fifty. But I read that uh, Ricky Ger Gervais is that Gervais, how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, he had written a um a farewell to him, and it turns out he was the writer of he, he's he's the creator of that mm -hmm. show. I that did not know that. Yeah, and, and it so, only went two seasons. And the one here was the spinoff of that, yes, right? Correct. Yeah, and I heard pretty, the pretty cool. I heard the original was a lot better. And even that, that's what I heard too. Yeah, even though the American one was so popular, it yeah. was really really good. Mm -hmm. So it made me want to see that show. Yeah, I got a whole new profound respect for ricky because um previously i've only known him from the golden globes or whatever the heck that he he would that was the academy people. awards oh okay but he well, was serious brutal. wow and, so and, I, and then you look back at that and it's like he was that was all stuff that you know the epstein stuff he was saying uh -huh, that was uh -huh, all in uh -huh. their face man yeah, and I've watched his last two specials on Netflix, and I'll tell you the newest one is, isn't his best. Lisa and I watched them together after Afterlife was over. We needed a little more Ricky. Uh, but his previous uh, special was very, very good. And he's got a very interesting way. Like, so he, okay, every comedian needs to find their method of diffusing that bomb they just set off that. Mm -hmm could cancel them, you know? Yes. And uh, I know Bill Burr is like the best at it in his own way. But Ricky is funny in the fact that he's, he's cute. He's like, he's kind of cute, you know, and he's got this really cute laugh and he, mm -hmm. and, and he laughs at himself, but then he always says, no, it's not me. It's not me. He said it like the character he was just doing. He <laughs> said it, not me, not me. And, and that's even funnier on top of the joke. So I, I just, but his his drive and his talent uh, for conceptualizing and, and finding a way to bring these new ventures of his to life, I just have a whole profound respect. And his acting, his acting in Afterlife. Jeez, man. Well, I got to say, you know, 
comedians like him oh yeah are such a godsend to us because look they at are. what he said at the Academy Awards that he was able to get away with saying it right to them. They Barely. did not like that. Right well, he, he did it and he didn't seem to to harm his popularity. It made him mm. even more popular. And this is and the gift people, that comedians yeah. have. Is the canaries through, in the coal mine. Throughout right? history, these comedians, even look, we had court gestures before. They, yes. Nobody could talk to the king about right. what the, they, that he wasn't wearing any clothes, right? The emperor has no clothes. Yep. But the comedian, the court jester can come in and and with a crazy hat on or whatever yep. and be naked and, and say, I'm the king, I'm the king. And yep. it's funny, but it gets the point across. And we mm. see how people like uh, Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. uh, has been very much one of those people out yes. there. Thank God for guys like this that have the cones to go out there and well, say the things that need to be said. And they've got that talent of being funny at the same that time that they are the canaries in the coal mine and what is meant by that canaries were used to see uh if if there was a gases harmful gases in because right. they would die before anybody else so oh it's a little dangerous down there well that's what our comedians are that's what art is and when can comedians really do get canceled that's when our liberty yeah. uh, uh, censorship or is. When the king kills the court chest, yep. it's time to yep. get out of the. It's time to get the, out of that kingdom, kingdom, man. Get out of that kingdom, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saddle up. Well, let's yeah, wrap so, it up, Barry. Tell them yeah. how we can, uh, how they can find us. And yeah. All that kind of great stuff. Go to over50startingover.com and sign up to our email list. You'll get this dropped in your email box as it happens. Go to YouTube, sign up at over 50 starting over and hit the subscribe button. Please share, uh, share with it. Probably most importantly, go to Apple podcasts, sign up there so you can listen to it. So you don't have to look at our ugly faces and, uh, but please better. give us <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, please give us a five-star rating. It's very, very important to us. And with that, man, have a good weekend. Hard to sign off because I really had a lot of fun talking. I to did you too, today. man. Me yeah. too. Well, happy Friday to you, Barry. Happy Friday, buddy. Have a good weekend. All right. Bye. See you, folks. <laughs>